Amen. Brother John, for that beautiful song, it's amazing how, I don't know if they planned it or what, but that's one we sang in, in uh, our music this morning. Well, God has His purpose in all that. Well, it's my privilege to uh, invite to you the speaker, uh, Chris Hindle, is a guy that I've known for at least 25 years. Uh, we both had a tour of duty in Iowa. Uh, so glad to get out of Iowa, especially the weather here. And he came from Iowa, Slater, Iowa, directly to Florida. I had to take the long way around to go from Iowa to Indiana to Florida, but we eventually got here. <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, we conducted a wedding way back there. Uh, I had a young man from, from uh, my church. He was in a club uh, that we call that they called Bachelors Till the Rapture Club, <laughs> but Rhonda Earhart got him to resign his membership in the Bachelors to the Rapture, and they got married. And Chris and I conducted that uh, that wonderful wedding, and they've got children too, <laughs> so that's great. Well, Brother Chris, come and preach to us the Word of God. Thank you, Pastor Jim. These uh, these memories you stir up or uh, come from way back. My wife says that I don't remember way back. Uh, good to be here at Peace River Baptist Church. Thank you for your uh, faithfulness to the Word of God. It has been a delight to uh, know your pastor and wife through these years, and uh, our paths have intercrossed uh, on, a, on occasion, so it's, it's great to be with you. Uh, my ministry does take us into many different countries. Uh, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he's doing exactly as he said. And he's doing it in places that we don't expect, in places where uh, there's persecution, and yet the Lord is building his church, and it's, it's a delight to just have a, a front row seat in that, my wife and I have had the opportunity to be in about 80 countries. Uh, 50 of them we've been to repeatedly and have been involved in ministry. And uh, in these uh, travels, we've had the opportunity to visit a lot of different places of worship. That is, we have visited the, uh, the Buddhist temples in Myanmar and in Thailand. I always thought the, the Buddha was just this fat guy in a in sitting, uh, always in gold. But uh, actually, the Buddhas are in various positions. They're standing Buddhas and and uh, offering Buddhas. And and the biggest Buddha I've ever seen is in Bangkok, which is the reclining Buddha, about a hundred feet long. Uh, it's a it's pretty incredible. But it's very sad when you do, when you visit these places, as the people. Uh, make their way around the Buddha, putting a coin in each one of the pots, and uh, this is their, their prayer to God. Uh, we've been in the mosques in Indonesia and also in uh, Malaysia. Uh, we've, we've visited the temples, the Hindu temples in India, uh, visited a Hindu temple in Chicago. There's a lot of these uh, world religions that are infiltrating our country as well course, the cathedrals of Europe. But they all, all of these places have something in common. And it is actually uh, noted in our text this morning, which is Psalm 96, 
uh, which is the theme text for this missions conference. But in the middle of that uh, psalm, Psalm 96, in verse 5, it says, all the gods of the peoples are idols. And that's what we see as we go to these places. We see people who are filled with devotion. They bring their, their flowers as an offering to their God. They burn incense to their God. They say prayers to their God. But they're gods who, are, who cannot see, who cannot hear, who are not alive. They're gods of wood and stone and clay. And yet these people, they, they linger there in prayer. And we sometimes are standing in the back of a temple and watching these people as they're face down and praying, seeking a relationship with a God who is nothing more than a stone. How will they call upon him in whom they do not believe? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher, without a messenger? And how will they preach unless they are sent? There's this, this uh, quantitative darkness that prevails across the world. The people who are seeking one who they do not know. And yet they're trying to fill the emptiness of their heart. Psalm 96 uh, gives to us the global purposes of God for his people. It, it's an exhortation to us. As we, as we read it together, uh, we hear the voice of God speaking to us. Now the psalm has a, a futuristic perspective because the psalmist is actually looking forward to the day when Jesus returns to the earth and establishes his kingdom. We are living in the church age. We're looking forward to Jesus coming and catching us up to be with him. But after seven years of tribulation, the Lord will return to the earth and we as his saints will come with him and we will reign with Christ. This psalm actually is looking forward to that time in which the Lord comes in judgment, but he also comes in righteousness to reign on the earth. You know, he rules today, he's a sovereign God, but Jesus is not occupying the throne at this point in time. So as we look at this psalm, we, we hear the voice of God exhorting us to our responsibilities in this time frame as well. We begin as, as we see our praise to the Lord is to fill the earth. And you see that beginning at, at verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Now, some of us will read that first verse, sing to the Lord a new song. We're going, no, 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 not any new ones. We want to sing the, the old songs. We, we like the familiar songs. I'm with you. I like the familiar songs. In my, in my role, in my ministry, I'm in a lot of churches. And I'm in churches that have various worship styles. I'm in churches that have the contemporary Christian music. I'm in, worship, in services that have a very, um, very formal, some are very informal, some are traditional, singing only the hymns, 
uh, various, various worship styles. And, I, I'm, and as I move out of the United States, I'm moving into various countries, and every culture is different. Um, but the Lord is looking at the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. I've discovered that I can be in a setting where, where culturally I'm out of place. If I can focus on the words, that is, if I know the words that they're singing. If I'm out of country, then I'm, then I'm, I'm lost. Uh, but I can observe that here are people who love the Lord. Their expression of worship is different than mine. But God's looking at the heart. And that's true in our own country. There are, there are places where the expression of worship is different than what you enjoy. But God's looking at the heart. He's always examining our heart. And, and when I'm in places where the text is English, I focus on the text. And my heart can worship God. It always has to do with the content of our worship and God ministering to our hearts and we in response worshiping Him. Sing to the Lord a new song. Of course, every song that we sing was one time a new song. Isn't that right? I mean, the church for centuries never heard of amazing grace. How could they worship if they didn't have amazing grace? How could they worship if they didn't know, great is thy faithfulness? But they did. And at one point in time, those songs were introduced, and they were new songs. When we get to heaven, we're going to sing some new songs. It's amazing that the scripture gives us a picture of heaven where every tribe and tongue and, and, uh, uh, and language We'll be worshiping God together. And I often ask people, what language are we going to sing? They always tell me it's their language, that I'm the one that has to learn. <laughs> it's okay. We're going to gather together and we're going to be able to praise God together. The church is a diversified church because we have a, a God who is a creator, a creative God. And he's made us different. We all have different features about us, and he allows his church to be expressed in various cultures. Now, the question is, you know, why, why are we bringing up all this music stuff in a missions conference? Well, first of all, it's in the text. It's introduced to us because it's talking, it's reminding us of our need to praise the Lord and to fill the earth with his praise. But the, another part of that is this. Unless we are accepting of other cultures, we'll never have a passion for them. Did you get that? Unless we understand that, that our culture is not the gold standard of culture. We're not, we're not um, in any way have a, 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 a corner on the truth or a corner on the way to express it. God is creative and the cultures of the world, we need to be accepting of people and accepting of, of 
of them and their expressions of worship if we're going to have a passion for them. If our viewpoint is our way or the highway, we will never reach others for Christ. I was in Zambia um, last fall preaching in an outdoor conference. There were about 800 people sitting in the trees all over, not, I mean, under the trees, not in the trees. They're sitting in this grove of trees, all of them in the shade uh, from the uh, Zambian sun. And um, each, each church had brought their choir. And those choirs, each one had a time to sing during the conference. When they sing, they move. I mean, they don't sing like this. We just say they, they have choreography. But I said to them at one point, after hearing a very stirring uh, choir number, I said to the whole group, I conclude that Africans are born to dance. But God's looking at the heart. Worship comes from the heart. And it can be expressed in different ways. I'm surprised at how many... Uh, countries I go in and I hear them singing American hymns um, in their own language. That is, I recognize the tune. I immediately know, well, I don't immediately know what it is because when they're singing other words, it messes with your mind. <laughs> I'm like, I know that song. Don't, don't confuse me with those words. Uh, what is that song? Um, but I'm, I'm surprised that that happens. I think it's the, the result of some of our, our missionaries, you know, wanting to sing some of the songs that we sing and teaching them those songs in their language. But I'm like, if you love those words, put it to your own music. I was in a, in a, church, in a school setting. I'll just say South America. That's vague enough. Um, but... We were singing, I was in a chapel, a week of chapels preaching, and every song we sang was an American song translated into their language, and I'm like, huh. I, this was one of, the, one of the few schools that I have been in internationally where they not only are teaching uh, the Bible, but they had a music tract. But they were singing all these American songs, and, and I was doing a lot of one-on-one one interviews with students they were making appointments and so forth and towards the end of the week I, I was meeting with a senior music student and I commented to him I said you know I noticed we're singing these songs we're singing are American songs hymns translated into your language I said um, why don't you write some music you're, you've got your Bible training and you've got your music training why don't you write some music some hymns in your own culture and he looked at me and he said, could I? I thought, he's asking permission. I thought that's what we were, should be teaching him. It just it was confusing to me. The signals were confusing. We need to be accepting of culture. We, we are not the only culture. And, and yet, let's enjoy the culture we have. And there's, there's much that's familiar. When I'm... Frankly, when I'm by myself in worship, I just default to the old hymns. I do. 
even though I've learned many of the, the new songs when I'm in, the, I'm in the, the car and I'm all by myself and I'm singing and uh, the windows are rolled up, don't worry. Um, when I'm doing that, it is, it's the old hymns that I cut my spiritual eye teeth on. And I think most of us are like that. You know, we like, we like those hymns and, and it's okay to do that. And I'm reading the scripture, and I'm reading about the cross, and I'm by myself, I'm in my office, and I'm reading, and I'll just cut loose. Calvary covered it all. You know? My, my past with its sin and stain. My guilt and despair. Jesus took on him there, and Calvary covered it all. Praise God. Uh, we, the, the psalmist says, sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Fill the earth with his praise. And uh, our Western approach is really just a sliver of all the people of God. Uh, but let us do what God's commanded us to do and, and to be a people who praise him. Notice with me secondly in the psalm that the proclamation of the gospel is to be common in our conversation. The text goes on to say in verse 2, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. That's a part of our daily conversation is acknowledgement of our relationship to Christ and our willingness to share that with others. We're, we're too silent. The persecuted church has decided that Jesus is worth it. Bottom line, Jesus is worth it. We will speak no matter what it costs. And the persecuted church will tell you there's a way to avoid persecution. You're like, I'm all ears. How do I do that? They said, just be silent. But that's disobedience, isn't it? <clears throat> to, to talk about the Lord or to introduce the Lord into our conversation is not as hard as you might think. We have this American way of speaking. We greet people. We say, how you doing? Now, we don't expect a literal answer. <laughs> we don't really want them to tell us, uh, you know, their, their last doctor's report. But it's just the way we, we talk. But in our response... You know, it, it would be very easy to say, praise God, I'm doing great. Very easy to say, the Lord's been good to me, I'm really doing, I'm doing well. When you, when you introduce that into your conversation, just a comment about the Lord, you put people on notice that you know Him. How's your family? By God's grace, our family's doing well. It's very easy to do that. The conversation may not go anywhere else, but you have introduced to them the fact that you have a relationship with God. And one thing that, that often happens is when crisis comes into their life, they're looking for somebody who has a relationship with God. And they will seek you out and ask for your prayers. Because, you, because they have heard from you the simple acknowledgement 
of God in your life. We have, um, I lead a small group in our church, and uh, just, just the other night, um, just last week, one of the ladies in the, in the small group said, um, my neighbor three doors down uh, called me up and said, would you pray for me? Uh, my husband is missing. I filed a missing persons report with the police. Will you pray for me? Will you pray that God will return him safely? She said, I don't really even know that lady, but we have met a couple of times and she knows that I'm a praying person. It's those simple conversations that may be the very opener that God will use for a later conversation that might take them to the cross. Try it. I challenge you, just try it. Um, you, may have to, you may have to be just asking God to help you because, hey, we're all helpless. We're weak. And we need God to help us. I, I've discovered that I have more opportunities to have spiritual conversations with people that are lost when I'm praying for them. Not the people praying for opportunities. That shouldn't really be a surprise to anybody. It should be a duh moment, you know. Uh, but I've, I've, I've found that when I'm praying for opportunities, my, my spiritual antenna is up. When I'm praying for opportunities, I'm more aware of the people around me. God presses me with the, the need to speak to them. I, I was in a, um, a meeting, church meeting, it was a Sunday night, and I acknowledged to the people that it had been a, a little bit too long since I had been able to have a spiritual conversation with somebody who was lost. I said, I'm going to close the service and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray that God will provide you with opportunities, but I just want you to know I'm included in this prayer. I'm asking God for an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation with somebody that's lost. And the next morning I got on a plane, and there's a guy sitting next to me. And of course, I don't know him from Adam. And, and most people in planes don't want to talk. Um, you're sitting with strangers. No, people just are kind of private. The young people, they just put their earbuds in, and that's, that says... There's walls here, you know, and you try to, and if you don't notice it and you say something to them, they pull it out. What? Yeah, okay, and stick it back in. But this guy was an older guy, you know, didn't have any earbuds, and I thought, well, well Lord, I'm just going to test the waters here to see if you will open an opportunity. And, uh, you know, uh, there was a series of questions, just Chat, chat questions, but I'm getting one-word answers. Like, Lord, this isn't going anywhere. Uh, finally, I said, you know, what do you do for a living? He said, uh, teacher, one word, teacher. I'm, I'm pushing. I said, uh, we're flying into Chicago. And I said, uh, uh, what do you teach? Theology. He has no idea who he's talking to. 
So I'm thinking, this guy must be a prophet Moody, or he's at Trinity Divinity School, but he's sure not being conversational today, you know. Um, theology. I said, so where do you teach theology? He says, Joliet Roman Catholic High School. Woo-hoo. We're on. So I said, I said, you mind, I just want to talk with you a minute because I have a lot of Roman Catholic friends. And I ask them if they expect to go to heaven. And they say to me, almost all of them verbatim will say, I hope so. I squared my shoulders, looked him in the eye, and I said, can't you do any better than that? It was on. (laughs) For the next 30 minutes, we talked about grace and works. And of course, I went to Romans chapter 11 where it says, if it's by grace, it's no longer of works, or else grace is no longer grace. And if it's of works, it's no longer grace, or works is no longer grace. Works. That's a tongue. Anyway, you know, I shared with them, him that, and we began to talk about grace and works and how they're different and how they need to be separated. And at the end of that conversation, he said to me, I think as Catholics, we put too much works into grace. I thought that was a great admittance by a theology teacher. Well, we got off the plane, he went one way, I went the other way, and I went, yes! (laughs) Thank you, Lord. I had had just been praying, God, give me an opportunity, and Lord, you did exactly as you said. And I challenge you to pray for opportunities to have spiritual conversations with people that are lost. And those conversations, they may, they may not mean that you share the entirety of the gospel. You may be planting a seed. You may be watering the seed that was planted by someone else. We never know where we are in the process. But we need to be actively engaged in doing exactly what the text says. Proclaim his good, the good news of his salvation day by day aware of the fact that we are living in a lost world, there are people all around us, they don't know Jesus, and we have the good news. We, are, we have the, the news whereby their sins can be forgiven. We can tell them about the gift of everlasting life. By the way, what is eternal life? I asked that question the other night. What is eternal life? And the response was, we live forever. Well, that's true, but that's only talking about the quantity of life. Because all of us are are created in the image of God. Everyone's going to live somewhere forever. Amen? Everybody's going to live forever somewhere what we receive is not just a quantity of life but it's a quality of life it is God's life it's the product of God's own character we receive the abundant life in Christ so we're not waiting till we die to get eternal life we participate in eternal life right now 
in our relationship with Jesus Christ. John said this is the true God and eternal life. It's that our relationship with Christ that defines the life that we have. And it's, it's wonderful. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the source of life. So that those who do not know him will suffer eternal death. Not eternal life. Eternal, not annihilation. Eternal separation from God. But we, dear ones, we have been given an assignment. And that is to to proclaim the good news of his salvation. And it should be a common part of our conversation from day to day. There are people all around us that need the Lord, and we are the ones who are to share with them Christ. Thirdly, I want you to notice the text says that our declarations are to extend to the nations. It goes beyond just living where we are, but it extends to the nations. Verse 3 is really the, uh, the, the theme of this conference. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. Declare his glory. When we think of the glory of God, we generally think of the display of his glory, the brightness of his glory, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to say declare his glory when we're thinking of this brightness. What does that mean to declare his glory? Uh, the display of his glory was seen when, when God filled the temple and the priest could not go in any longer because the temple of the, the display of glory, the brightness of his glory. John said on the Mount of Transfiguration, or, or concerning the Mount of Transfiguration, he said in John chapter 1, and we beheld his glory. Moses came down from the Mount Sinai, and they had to veil his face because it reflected, it was shining, it reflected the glory of God, that he had been in the presence of God. That's all talking about the display of his glory. When it says, declare his glory, it's talking about, the sum of all of his attributes. It's talking about declaring to people that the Lord is great, that the Lord is a God of love, that the Lord God is holy, that the Lord God is patient, that he is filled with mercy, that he is truth. When we declare who God is, we declare his glory. We, we are telling them that the gods of the, of the, uh, the, gods of, uh, the, the religions, those gods are not glorious gods. They cannot see, they cannot hear, they are not alive. But the, the God we're talking about is the God who made the world. He is the great God. And in the text, the, the, the reference to Lord, you'll notice in your English Bible, most most of the editors have tried to distinguish the original word. This is the word Yahweh. This is the word Jehovah, God. This is the Lord who has a relationship with his people. And we are to declare his glory among the nations. The nations here is a reference to the people groups of the world. 
It's not a, it's not a word that's separating political boundaries. But we're talking about, the, in the Jewish context, it's all who are not Jews. They're Gentiles. Declare his glory among the rest of the world. And here in our context, we understand that, that there are people groups living who are not in their own country. We, we are in a country that's struggling with immigration. I'm not going to get political. We're struggling with this immigration thing. What an opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ. The peoples of the world have moved, are moving here. They live next door to us. We work with them. We, 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 we go to various places and there are people whose, whom English is at least their second language or third language. What do you call a person that only speaks one language? American. Yeah. Pretty sad, actually. But we, we have, you know, I'm, when I took this role and accepted this as the leading of God, and we resigned from the pastorate, we moved to Chicago, which is near the, where the offices of the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches are. And we moved on to a cul-de-sac, and my neighbor was, my immediate neighbor was Chinese and Korean, and uh, I think it was Indonesian. I mean, the whole cul-de-sac was like, wow, God, you put me right in the world. You called me to international ministries, and then you located me where there are all these internationals right in the middle of them. There wasn't one Caucasian American on that whole cul-de-sac. But no matter where you live, there are people who have migrated to our country. And it is an opportunity for us to declare his glory among the nations. Um, and, and to, you know, there are different ways to do that, to connect with people that are not like you. Learn a little bit about their culture. Learn a little bit about their country. When, there's, when they have a holiday, it's not an American holiday, it's a holiday in their country, acknowledge that and invite them over to celebrate that holiday. They will, it will, they'll drop their jaw that you care about them. You care about them. You care about who they are. You care about their country. It'll be a connecting point. It's incredible the opportunities that we can have if we're praying, if we're asking God for those opportunities to declare his glory and extend it to all the nations. It's a, it also says in verse 3, declare his glory among the nations, his wonders. In other words, declare his wonders among all peoples. His glory is who he is. His wonders is what he does. And we can, we can look at the scripture and see so many things that God did and the miracles that Jesus performed, the 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 unbelievable expressions of God's power in the Old Testament to his people, Israel, we see all of that, but you can bring that up to date. God is still alive. He's still working. He's still working in our lives. We can, we can see God intercept our life. We're driving down the road and there's an accident and it happened 30 seconds before you got there. You say, wow, God. You were the one directed. If I was there 30 seconds earlier, I'd have been in the middle of that. 
God, you've had your hand upon me. I just came out of India. I was there last month. And India is a place where persecution's on the rise. I had a lot of people praying for me upon my entrance and upon my exit out of India because uh, just the week before, two couples that I knew of had tried to get out of India after being there helping an NGO. They were not even religious people, but they were helping an NGO. But they were on a tourist visa, and they got stopped at the border on exit. They confiscated their, their passports and kept one, one couple they kept for a week. The other couple they kept for overnight. In both cases, they lost all their flights, so they had to rebook all new flights, all new costs, all of that. They were being harassed at the border and asked specific questions about why they were there and who they knew and what relationship did they have with them and, and what's your profession, all those kind of things. So um, I've experienced that before. And during my trip there, twice, they contacted my contact number and said, uh, the contact number I'd given them, and they wanted to know where I was and what I was doing twice while I, during the trip. Um, that happened, so I was a little concerned about exit, and you know what? I had the, most, the, the easiest exit from India that I've ever had. I had a whole bunch of people praying, and I went to the immigration office, officer, and he took my passport, put it in the computer, which shows him every place, that, how often I've been there. He never even looked up at me. He read that. Next. I'm like, oh. God, you are there. You are here with me right now. People are praying and you're answering prayer. Those are the wonders of God's work. We are sometimes overwhelmed by, the, by news that we receive from the doctor, news that we receive, you know, just about our family. And, and some of it is overwhelming. Some of it is devastating. But we have to know the Lord reigns. We have to know that God's in control. We have to know that He is working all things together for good to those who love Him and are the called according to His purpose. Our conversations, our declarations, is a recognition that God is a creative God, a God of the nations, a God who loves the nations. I said to my, to my Indian friends last month, I stood before them one time, and I was just kind of overwhelmed by, by all that was going on. And I said, God must really love Indians. He made so many of you. <laughs> 1.2 to almost 1.3 billion. There are four times more Indians than Americans on one-third of the geographic Base. Their country is one, and they're four times the population. So you get a, a little idea of the density. How will they call upon him in whom they do, have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a messenger? Are we, are we even open to the possibility that God may be directing us? He may direct us to individuals, to people, 
Are we open to the possibility that God wants to use us to have conversation with others? Are we open to the possibility that God may even direct us to a mission field, to another country, maybe even short term, maybe extend it longer? Are we even open to that? I've, when I was in, in uh, Fort Myers pastoring, I had been there a very short time. I found a congregation very committed to missions, and yet I discovered that no one had ever gone out from that church as a missionary. We had never sent anybody from our congregation. And I said to the congregation, from this point on, every time we meet, we're going to pray Jesus' prayer request. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into the harvest. So we started praying. Sunday morning, when I prayed, I would pray, Lord, send laborers from our congregation. Send them to the harvest fields. Sunday night, Lord, send laborers. Wednesday night, it was always on the prayer sheet, Lord, send laborers. And we were consistently doing that. Now, when you, when you get serious with God, be prepared for what he might want to do. My assistant pastor came to me one, one afternoon, happened to be my son-in-law, married to my daughter. Uh, he led our worship was involved in young people, youth ministry for our church. She was a pianist at our church. He came into the office. He said, I I'm troubled. I got an email two weeks ago from a friend that I correspond with regularly. He's a missionary in Slovakia. And in this last email, he, he said, Jeff, have you ever thought about serving God in Slovakia? He said, I was in my office. There was not a soul in the room. And I answered out loud, no. And then the next question was, would you be willing to pray about it? And he thought, well, I can pray about anything. And he said, that's two weeks ago, and I can't get it off my mind. And he came in, and he said, I don't know what God's doing. And I said, well, have you had a conversation with Jody, your wife, yet? He said, not a word. He said, but I have an idea that once I mention that to her, that'll be the end of it, because she's not, she's not going to Slovakia. I know that. I said, well, the Lord has to call both of you uh, if God's working. So he said, I had a, so two days later he came in and he said, uh, oh, my, was I in for a surprise? I said to Jody, Jody, I, I'm, I got this email and I've been praying about it and I just don't know what God's doing. And she said, Jeff, we always need to be open to the possibility of God moving us. And he went, Really? And the, uh, the bottom line was they were the first couple that was sent out by our church to Slovakia, followed by three more. Pray the Lord of the harvest that will send forth laborers. Listen, every one of us are laborers. Every one of us have a responsibility to take the message and proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. And we need to be open to the fact that God may be directing us in specific ways. Just ask God to make you willing to do whatever he wants you to do. And I challenge you to pray for opportunities to have spiritual conversations with people that are lost. You'll be thrilled at what God, how God chooses to use you.
Lord, give us that sensitivity to you and help us, Lord, to be obedient to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. I pastored one church in Iowa, and as everybody would be leaving over the door, it had these words, you are now entering the mission field. And that's what uh, we're doing. All of us are missionaries. All of us have been called to be witnesses to everyone. We're going to sing a song. Perhaps God has spoken to you about maybe going into missions. You say, Pastor, I'm retired. <laughs> well, hey, you've got more time now than you had in your whole life. <laughs> and you're smarter now than you've ever been. And maybe you've got more to offer. Hey, maybe you could go on a short term and do something in some country that will just bless the rest of your life. Let's stand as we sing this song together. Maybe God spoke to you. Listen to His voice in your heart. There's room at the very much for this conference and pray that tonight, Lord, as our brother preaches, that God, you would stir us once again. But Lord, help us to be ready to speak a word to anyone that comes our way about the cross of the Lord Jesus. Bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you. 